Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our reach, our another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. Todd Buckingham here with Greg Steeman and Zach Dosh. And gentlemen, we missed last week with the Super Bowl and busy lives and all of that. So, But we're back with a vengeance today and, and our last podcast before the Summit League tournament. So we're going to probably spend a lot of time on scenarios going into that tournament and just what we expect uh, coming up in, in not too long, week and a half or so. Yeah, this is probably the podcast for uh, overanalyzing every possible scenario, and um, only about 5% of them will come true, but try to get you guys prepared, try to give you, a, make sure everybody's kind of looking at the right thing going into this weekend, as there really is quite a number of outcomes that could happen, and um, so we want to kind of explore all those, and then, you know, what it means for the matchups in the NCAA tour- or the uh, conference tournament here. Yeah, we've got, so with two games left to play, from third to sixth, we've got uh, one, two, three, four teams all uh, within two games of each other. Uh, so a lot of different scenarios that could play out. And then a uh, game that isn't going to matter as far as seeding in the Summit League tournament, but definitely one of the more interesting games on the slate this season, Oral Roberts travels to South Dakota State uh, for a potential chance at being the second team to ever go undefeated in conference play. So lots of exciting uh, things right before the tournament comes up. Yeah, how about that South Dakota State Oral Roberts game right at the end of the year on South Dakota State's home court? Can they stop Oral Roberts from doing what they did the previous year, and that's going undefeated in the conference tournament? Can they show everybody that there is a blueprint out there for Oral Roberts to be beaten? You know exactly what that is. You know, I don't know. We'll see. We've talked about all year about how South Dakota State is probably the most disciplined and, and um, game plan specific defensive team in the conference. And, you know, they obviously they have their hands full with this Oral Roberts team. But if Oral Roberts can go in there and beat South Dakota State, that place is going to be rocking. Then they are true worthy champions. I mean, they're obviously worthy champions anyway, but um, that'll really be impressive and give them all the confidence in the world going into the conference tournament. So, Zach, oh, go, go ahead, Zach, Greg. No, I'm just going to say it, it, it will. Um, I think it'll be a great atmosphere. I, I think Frost will probably be close to capacity. And, and at the same time, ORU, now South Dakota USD has maybe maybe underachieved a little more than people had thought, but we all know they're capable. Uh, ORU still has to find a way to win in Vermillion, you know, before they head up to, to Brookings. So they better have their, you know, uh, you know things in order. But I, I think we all know ORU doesn't have to play the perfect game to win in Vermillion. They just can't go in there and be bad because USD is capable um, and they can cause some matchup problems. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, it would be kind of neat to see ORU go in to Brookings undefeated and uh, try to, you know, and, and, and SDSU saying, nope, we're not going to let you match what we did last year. Should be a, a great opportunity. I mean, here's the thing about South Dakota State. Very quietly, they're 10 and 2 over their last 12. I don't know how they're doing it so quietly, but they're doing it quietly, or at least I think they're doing it quietly. But the reality is, is they have not been healthy for the majority of the year. And we probably should have been making a bigger deal about that because it's been pretty impressive that they, I mean, there was a couple of games there where they basically got it done with five guys. You know, Alex Arians was, was sort of in and out of the, the lineup. Charlie easily has been out for a while. It sounds like those guys are largely back. Are, have you guys heard anything different? No, I, I was going to say the same thing, Zach. I, I think SDSU may be 
as close to having their complete complement of players as they've had all year. I think Easley is probably back as much as he has been. Hopefully Arians is as well. Uh, William Kyle has developed over the course of the season. I think Dentlinger has quietly snuck into to all league consideration just the way he's been playing for SDSU. So I agree with you. 10 and 2 over the last 12, it hasn't happened by accident. So just to yeah. try to drive up that hype train, you're right. 10 and 2 over the last 12, and they're finally healthy. So they should be playing their best basketball. Stats tell us they are. And uh, it's the matchup everybody wants to see at Frost on Saturday night. And just quick to the Alex Arians point, he played 15 minutes against Denver, and I do think got banged up a little bit again uh, and did not play against Omaha. So I don't know if that's a a long-term thing or you know just for that game against Omaha or what. But uh, So something to watch, whether Arians plays or not this weekend. Yeah, hopefully, he, hopefully he's able to. I mean, and like you say, the guy has left. Between he and Dentlinger, they played about 300 games yeah. for South Dakota State. And so you hope he can finish his career um, as being as healthy as possible in his six-year playing. Well, and it was ORU. That, that was at the end of the season when Oral Roberts took South Dakota State to overtime last year, wasn't it? Yeah, that, Apple had to score 41 for SDC yeah. to win in, in Tulsa. Yeah, so the roles have almost completely – I mean, it's just funny how it's playing out. It's it's playing out the exact opposite of last year. And the thing is, everybody is so familiar with each other, you know? Like, yeah. there are no surprises. There are no curveballs at this point. It's just like, hey, we have our five, you have your five. Let's play it out, and uh, I'm glad I get to sit back and not have to make any decisions during the game and not have any pressure and just get to watch. <laughs> I and, agree. Yep. And let's talk about something that you addressed, Todd, which I think the three of us have all addressed when it comes to Kansas City. You know, the way Shamari Allen and, and Raquanis Mitchell have played this season, they have elevated that team. And we've, we've said, well, if, if, if both of those guys don't play a good game, KC's in trouble. Well, talk to us about Shamari Allen. Yeah, the word is uh, Shamari Allen hit, hit his wrist on the, the leg of a North Dakota player, if I remember right. And I don't remember the player, but it sounds like he is probably done for the rest of the year, um, and which matters a lot. I mean, I don't know that Kansas City can, if they were to lose a player, that may be the most critical one. And so, uh, it, at seven and nine and sixth in the conference right now, uh, they certainly can't afford for two games to fall this weekend. And if Shamari Allen isn't there, that that could cause some real problems for them. We talked about how they're so difficult to guard if Shamari Allen or Quandis Mitchell are just really locked in and playing well. They've demonstrated they can beat pretty well anybody, but it, it really appears that their roster is really kind of falling apart uh, just due to injury. Bad luck. Just really unfortunate breaks. Shamari Allen, what he did this year, I mean, he was probably on pace for a first-team all-conference uh, bid, and, and maybe he will still be. I don't know that. But, I mean, just his defensive presence, the way he's attacking the rim, I mean, he just – those two guys together it was really sort of a special thing, and they were really bringing those freshmen along. Obviously, if he's out, you know, Raquandis Mitchell, he was in and out of the UND game a couple times. He kind of did one of those Paul Pierce deals where he got carried off and then was right back in like a minute later. <laughs> um, and David McCaba, I, I think he's out for the year is what oh, I was yeah, yeah, saying on yeah, the broadcast. Yeah, so one of the top responders yeah. in the league is out for the year. 
Uh, obviously, Anderson Cop just uh, not able to get going this year. So, I mean, what could have been for this roster? I mean, you, if you'd have mixed Cop in there with a healthy Allen and Mitchell, I mean, that would have been extremely hard to guard, I think. But, yeah. you know, in any one of these runs, like we're talking about with Royal Roberts, there is some serendipity involved, no doubt about it. You do have to have some luck. Um, Oral Roberts has stayed very healthy. Uh, they haven't had any issues, you know, even last year. I mean, look at when, when Max was having the foot issue or whatever you want to call it, that was a big deal and it really hurt them. And he wasn't even missing games. So, you know, for everybody's sake, I mean, obviously nobody wants to see injuries. Everybody wants to see these players sort of sorted out on the court amongst themselves, but no question that's playing, uh, into this whole situation, like you talked about with Kansas City, I mean, one in five in their last six on top of that. So they're really kind of reeling after having a nice run there. And um, they have an opportunity to jump up into that sixth spot. Um, I, they're, they're currently in that sixth spot right now. But a number of scenarios could play out there. If they get swept this weekend and UND sweeps, UND could potentially move up to the sixth spot. So yeah, and and, well, uh, and we were we were predict, predicting that a month ago that right. UND would yeah, probably finish sixth. Yeah, yep. every, everybody saw you know UND going on winning about five six games in a row and, and yeah. just like that, right? Yeah, uh, obviously South Dakota. I mean South Dakota. We can talk about them a little bit. I think they're really struggling. Like I don't know, they have some of the most head scratching performances out of like any team this year. I mean for them to come out and just get absolutely blown out in the first half against Denver. Um, I don't know what that is. They don't have any excuses for being young or inexperienced or whatever. It's their seniors getting blown out. So I, they're one five in the last six, um, but they've been here before, so they should know how to fix it, but it's they're They're really struggling right now. I don't know. What, what are you guys seeing out of South Dakota? Well, I, I think they're, and, and we've talked about it all year. I mean, their, their lack of interior depth has certainly, it certainly caught up to them early in the season. They were able to overcome it at times. They're a team that if they go out and shoot 50 to 55% from three, they can beat anybody on any given night. But um, they, they'll struggle defensively against bigger teams, and, uh, and they'll struggle scoring in the post uh, in a lot of ways just because they just don't have any interior depth, and, and that's hurt them. Uh, Tassos Comateros. Heck of a player can only do so much over the course of so many minutes. So I'm going to jump back quickly. Um, I got put on the spot last week. Hey, who's your first team all league? Which you, when you pick six players, the sixth player I picked was Shamari Allen. And I had, I picked him narrowly over Raquandis Mitchell, just because Shamari Allen led the league in steals um, on top of averaging 7.9, 17.9 points along with Raquandis Mitchell. Such a tough loss for Kansas city, but, they're still scary. They've got some some young kids. But getting back to your point, uh, Zach, regarding USD, they are. I mean, it's been – everybody talked about their, their, their perimeter depth, and nobody argued that. Nobody argued it. They've got great talent. Um, A.J. Plitzelwhite, I think, to your point, Zach, and in, in, a, in a, maybe a tweet that you'd sent out, it just has not been able to get back to, to what he was. Um, although he scores 18 in, in Brookings and, and USD gives gives SDSU a legitimate scare last Saturday night. I mean that was that was a heck of a game to watch and SDSU had to play very well down the stretch to win that stretch down uh, down the stretch to win that game. Um, that's what they're capable of doing is they're capable of beating anybody on any given night. 
but can they do it on back-to-back nights or, or for goodness sakes, over the course of three nights? I don't know. It's yeah. not just I, – I, I'll be honest. So I didn't even get a chance to watch the Denver-South Dakota game. I, I literally – I was watching the, the Uni game, and I, I checked the score of that, and I saw 40-12, to 12 and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so I didn't even I didn't even do it in the second half. So, I mean, this is all just sort of conjecture after reading box scores. But I mean, they I, had decent looks. They just didn't hit them. Really? And so they're, they're so perimeter based. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You, hmm. you know, one thing I'm going to throw out there, guys, and I know we're jumping around, but that's what we do best, right? We, we just jump <laughs> yeah. out there. And, Free um, for all. That's what we do best. Yeah. yeah take a riddle in before you listen to us. It'll yeah, help. exactly. NDSU. Yeah. NDSU played pretty darn well over in Tulsa. I mean, I thought NDSU played ORU fairly well. I mean, they were in the game. They had it down to one uh, on occasion. I mean, they got down by eight. I don't know if they got down by double digits late, but I thought they played very well uh, and gave themselves a chance at Tulsa, which is if you're Dave Richmond, you needed to see that after coming off a quality road win at Kansas City. Um, You needed to see your team go in and compete in Tulsa. I think that was a – I know Dave Richmond says, yes, we wanted to come out of there with a win, but I think he also was thinking in the back of his mind, we are continuing to move in the right direction. Uh, they played pretty well in Tulsa and gave themselves a chance. Yeah. Well, they actually guarded Oral Roberts pretty well. Yeah. You know, like it, 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 the, the box score was kind of misleading, but I I like what they did, honestly. I, and, again, nobody's, you know, throwing horseshoes here or anything like that. But, I mean, I, I think – it's one of those deals. You just want to see progress at a bare minimum. You want to see progress. And I think they're seeing it particularly with their young guys defending and taking care of the ball. Like first kind of came taking care of the ball. They started to take care of the ball. And so they're limiting all those excess turnovers like they had in the beginning of the year. But now they're they're starting to guard and and Skunberg is really playing well. He's, he's really playing well. I got to I got to give it to the guy. He's, he's turned things around and NDSU is four and three in their last seven and nine and five in their last 14. So, clearly the difference between the first part of the year to the second part of the year. I mean, they've really came a long way. I think a lot of credit goes to that coaching staff in terms of like how to get those freshmen uh, productive and settled down and focused on the right things. And, and uh, whatever buttons they are pushing, it's working. They're getting their attention. And, and honestly, you know, NDSU is not one of those teams that you really want to face. I mean, how many teams can boast of a future NBA player, you know, yeah. I, it, and it, it, they're going to be a problem and they have th- that front court angle that they have is something that um, it's a muscle they can flex in any game. They don't flex it in every game, but like if they get dialed in, they can just punish you. And I don't know, there's not really a whole lot of teams that match up well with them. Now you could argue how well NDSU matches up with some of these teams, but you know, we'll see huge weekend here. I mean, a chance to get St. Thomas back. I think that's, that's another huge – there's a, a like several key games this weekend, but a chance to get St. Thomas back on Thursday night is incredibly important, not not only to settle the, their loss from earlier this year, that honestly, NDSU should beat St. Thomas. They absolutely should beat St. Thomas, in my opinion. Now, they should have the first time and didn't. So, um, But this is for the third and fourth spot, right? And maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't, but you want to sort of – get that taste out of your mouth from that first St. Thomas game. You want to prove to yourself that you can beat them and handle them. And you know what the blueprint is before this conference tournament, um, because it's likely they'll see St. Thomas at some point. 
Well, I, I don't think you could ask for two better games to get yourselves ready for the conference tournament. With Saint, then more than, more so than St. Thomas on Thursday, West Illinois on Saturday. I mean, because both of those teams have beaten you. Both of those teams have exposed you. I'm going to go back to what you talked earlier, Zach. Bowden Skunberg is playing at a completely different level offensively than I've seen him in his entire career. He's, he's knocking shots down from the arc consistently, which everybody was used to when he was in high school. But for whatever reason, you know, it's taken him a long time to get up to that confidence level. He is playing at a much better level offensively for this NDSU team, and he hasn't forfeited any of his defensive intensity to get there. He's made, he's made NDSU better. And so that, that's, it's, it's a huge home weekend for NDSU because they can lock themselves in to that three spot if they can find a way to get two wins at home. One quick stat for you guys on North Dakota State. And I, I, might, I don't have it directly in front of me, so if I butcher it a tiny bit, but you'll get the point. When they've given up more than 71 points this season, I think they've only won one game. When they've given up less than 71, they have not lost. So it's either they've or or they've only lost once. So basically, seventy-one points is the magic number for North Dakota State in winning and losing. Well, you might have just given NDSU's marketing department uh, some good material. They might <laughs> want to get out there and and uh, put use seventy-one points as, as some type of marketing tool. Yeah, yeah. If if they keep their opponent below seventy-one points, everybody gets a free taco or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, make, sure, yeah. make sure everybody is locked in and invested in, in that seventy-one point threshold. How about their social media team lately? They've been on point, man. They've been having a lot of fun. Yeah, they have. They really have some really fun stuff they're putting out there. Yeah. By the way, yeah. you guys jump into. I'm I'm sorry, Todd. No, go ahead. You're, you're usually much smarter at all this than I am, but talk about UND a little bit. UND is, is they're, they're starting, they, they've set a lot of rotation, don't you think, Zach? Yeah, and man, you want to talk about just being in the nick of time? <laughs> yeah. But th- this is the importance with not panicking, right? They just they just never really panicked. They never had one. The only game that they had where they just got totally outplayed and just sort of blown off the court is was that NDSU game. Yeah. Honestly, that NDSU game at UND when they just blew them out, I was like, "Oh, what do we got here, guys? What do we? What, what's what's the plan here?" I honestly, I was not, I wasn't really. Not that you can see that they were weren't like individually good players, but like it was not happening. And at that point, it looked like it was almost getting worse. But I mean, just a credit to those players and the coaching staff, man. I mean, to turn things around like this, I, they had so many bad breaks go against them and, and this and that, but. You look up and you're four and one over your last five. And they've really settled on a rotation. Matt Norman was just a flamethrower for a number of weeks there. And then, you know, what I ultimately believe this was a positive thing. He basically was a non-factor against Kansas City. I think he had like two points, but you know, they really did a nice job of taking him out of the game. He was also in foul trouble, things like that. They moved Trace and Eaglestaff back to the bench out of the starting lineup, but I actually think this is a very good idea because now we can also play backup point guard or backup shooting guard, just kind of depending on how things played out. When both him and Jalen Trent were starting and you took, I mean, there's a lot of times both of them went out at the same time. Then there's no point guard out there and they can't, they can't play without one of them out there for a point guard role. And Trace is just really, 
you could just really see how great of a player he can be. I mean, he already is a good player, but teams are really adjusting to running UND off the, off the three-point line, and so they're getting much better at like curling off screens instead of flaring. And and Trayson was getting to the free was getting to the the rim, you know, time and time again uh, against Kansas City, and so they're doing a nice job adjusting. And, and the whole thing with Trayson is just, you know, when you're such an explosive score, sometimes it's hard to kind of pull back the reins a little bit, and it's sort of a blessing and a curse when you're very confident. Like there's no there's no such thing as a good shooter who isn't confident, right? But it's all about just really figuring out when is the right time and. It, to shoot it, you know, I mean, cause he, he could pull up from deep, you know, he likes shooting off the dribble every time down, but yep. when you get that shot after a reversal or a paint touch or things like that, the defense just is, gives you a little bit more room, a little bit more breakdown and gives the offense a chance to breathe a little bit, makes the defense guard a little bit. And those shots become a little more open. Also, it sure as heck helps if you start with a layup or two and you get a little momentum going. And so he's figuring that out and still being a really big factor um, Sotne is turning the corner. I mean, how many times early in the year did we see him get two feet away from the hoop and then pass it back out or get two feet away from the hoop and then like fade away, but he's playing with more confidence. And that's the only difference between the first half Sotne and the second half Sotne. He's playing with more confidence, more aggression, and really because he's such a nice, well-rounded player, he's putting a lot of pressure on the defense, his ability to pick and pop. That's extremely hard to guard. Uh, it's probably the hardest version of the pick and roll to guard um, because you, you can't really necessarily rotate to the guy that's popping. You know, the guy who's guarding him really can't hedge that hard because they have to go with him because he's popping. Well, then that opens it up more for, you know, usually Trayson, who's turning the corner, or Jalen Trent, who's also playing fantastic uh, lately. I, I think Jalen Trent, I mean, honestly, I think he, he's the type of player that could be uh, an all-conference type of player. Like, yeah. I think he could average... I think he could average 13 or 14 points per game and he could average seven or eight rebounds. He had 13 rebounds the other game, yep. uh, seven, or eight rebounds. And then like six, to six, like, I think he's like one of those guys who could, who could average close to a triple double. Um, and again, it's all about confidence. It just, sometimes it just, that's all it takes is a little spark. And the difference between these last couple of games, the, you know, the first couple of games is just like, Oh man, how are we going to lose this? You know what I mean? You know, we've lost every different way. What's it going to be tonight? And now these last couple of games, it's just like, it doesn't matter what you throw at us. We're going to make our way through it and finish. And that, you know, that, that, that fine line between winning and losing, like we've seen for some of these teams, I mean, Omaha is kind of another one of those teams that they're not playing as bad as their record shows. And that was definitely the case with UND. And sometimes it's just, all it needs is just a little smart or a little lineup tweak or whatever. You never really know what that's going to be. And then you get on a hot streak and, Really, that's all that matters. It, it doesn't matter what any of these teams' records were in December or January now. It only matters how they're playing now. Yeah, seeding in the tournament matters, but it doesn't matter as much as the matchup and how you're playing. So, I mean, UND, they're, they're fun to watch now. They're fun to watch. The, the offense is, is flowing. Um, they've won games by hitting 18 threes and then all the way down to like four or five. So... I, I think it's kind of interesting what they're doing. I don't, you know, much like NDSU, I don't know that there's a ton of teams hoping to play UND at this point. Well, and I just, I, I will go back to, I, I think Paul say they're always knew they had to get better defensively yeah. before he settled on the lineup. 
but I'm going to go back to Matt Norman. I think Matt Norman's offensive contribution really sparked him over this last run. And, and even though he didn't have a big game at Kansas City, I still think his presence on the floor is felt. He commands attention behind the arc. He's got the ability to knock down three threes in four possessions. Um, I really love what he's brought to this to this lineup, I think, to solidify it. You talked about playing with Jalen Trent, Grayson Eaglestep. Norman gives him some flexibility. Even though his offensive skill set is maybe more one-dimensional behind the arc, he's solidified them a little bit. You talked about some of the others. You know, Omar, I'd lo- you know what? You know the thing about but maybe the most impressive thing about UND, Omar has allowed all this to happen without going out there saying, I need to get mine. I've watched yeah. this, this flipping freshman, and I've watched him play at a maturity level beyond his years as they've started to win a few games. He has not gone out and, and tried to seek out his opportunities. He's let them find him. He's gone to the free throw line late in games and knocked down free throws. They put the ball in his hands and he's made some plays. I have been impressed by not only what Norman did, but how Omot has just blended into this whole four and one run for UND. And, you know, how about the second half of Brady Danielson and BJ Omot against Kansas City, right? Yeah. They're not like UND was not playing well. They were not shooting the ball well. They shot like 20% from three. And they just kind of were smart enough to realize they got in the bonus and they just kept getting the free throw line. And Brady Daniels and BJ Omot to just win a game by using their brains and figuring out what is working. Not a lot was working, but they found the one thing that was and held on to that and just sort of hammered away at it. And um, everybody's really embracing the roles. You're right. It, you know, there's been several games where Omot has had a quiet half. Yeah, And he hasn't let that affect his defense. He hasn't let that affect. He just kind of keeps playing, man. He just keeps playing, and, and good things eventually happen. Not that only scoring points is, is a good thing that can happen because he usually has an impact blocker, too, every single game. Yeah. But, man, he's just been – the, the pieces – there was a point in time where you looked at all these pieces and you're just like, how the heck – there's a bunch of left shoes here and no right shoes. What's going on here? And now it's like everybody is, has finally uh, stepped into their roles, and it's just like, man, this just everything fits so well together. Brady Danielson, BJ Omont, Jalen Trenton, man, like it, it just they all kind of complement each other. So again, I, I know I'm getting worked up a little bit here, but it's fun to see it a, a situation turn around, regardless of who it is. It's it's fun to see that, and it's something that everybody can learn from. I think. Well, and Zach, I'm going to go back to one of your points, and, and it's the thing that analytics always leaves out of sports, whether you want to call it momentum or confidence or, or what have you, it's the same team with the same players. Yeah. That yeah. that looked like they couldn't win a game, and, and confidence and momentum do matter. Like, it just, it makes a difference, and I also think back to, to your comments on Jalen Trent. The, you know, the, the talent is pretty obvious. And earlier in the year, I would go, well, they got to just find a way to get him on the court more. He's not on the court enough. And yet it's why I'm here doing a podcast and other people are coaching college basketball, waiting their time, waiting till he was ready to be a big time contributor. And you just see him and maybe it's not always in the scoring column, but he just does so many things so well for that team. I think it's really understated how big of a jump playing at this level is for most of these players. I mean, even if they're physically capable, 
it is, this is a high, high level of basketball. And it, 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 we've talked about this several times, but the skill level in particular is very high compared to the other mid-major level. You know, if the skill level wasn't that high, you know, there'd be some of these guys that could sort of get by without getting exposed. But like, if you're not skilled and you're playing in this league, it's going to get exposed. And I think it definitely took some of these players some time to, to get to that level and figure out how they can affect the game. But it's like, once they figure some things out, I mean, Jalen Trent's a six, four point guard. He is longer and more athletic than any point guard in this league. I mean, really? And he does that thing where he kind of backs people down and does a reverse spin and gets in the paint and shoots a little jump hook like that. You you can ask Brian Sean, how many times I'd be frustrated with Jalen Trent would like get in the paint and he'd have like a six foot tall guard on him. And then he'd like pass it out. And it's just like, don't just turn around. You don't understand. You're open. Just shoot a little jump hook and you're fine. It's a little unorthodox, but what's wrong with it? Nothing's wrong with it. So anyway, um, it, it's just a great uh, example of good coaching and players that stick with it. And there's a lot of players that really care on that team. And so yeah. uh, it's been fun to watch huge weekend coming up for them though. I mean, getting to play it two is. teams, getting to play two teams ahead of them in the standings. And that's all you could want. You know, they've, you know, in, if you're if you're talking crawl, walk, run, you know, they may be running after this weekend if they take care of their business. But, you know, they're playing against two teams that are also playing well. It's going to be a challenge for them. And, and I, I will say, I think they've become a more complimentary team and, and actually individually. I mean, where you have a guy like Norman who's skilled, starts to understand his impact. Trent starts to understand how he can possibly impact. Omot, who is so athletically gifted and now playing at a cerebral level that, that UND needs him to play at without forcing things. We've, we've spent way too much time on UND, but bottom line is they're four and one, and you're happy to see that for Paul Sather. They've settled on a rotation, but at the same time, you're as good as your next game, right? And uh, they've got two huge games that you guys have both addressed coming up yeah. this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how it shakes out. Well, it's, you know, along the same lines as UND, we're really starting to see sort of um, a deviation from team. You know, so you got UND, NDSU, St. Thomas, South Dakota State, and Oral Roberts really trending in the right direction, you know, all over 500 uh, over their last, you know, seven to nine games in there, you know, all playing really solid. And then you have (laughs) Omaha, Denver, South Dakota, Kansas City, and Western Illinois really kind of struggling. Uh, That's over what I want to talk about. I want to talk yeah. about Western Illinois. You guys yeah. talk to me about them. Well, one four over their last five. Yeah. Um, but before then, a nice five and all run. So, what's going on here? Um, no real injuries, right? I mean, they play their starters basically. I mean, Rosner and Masner don't come out of the game. Yeah. The only time that he come that that they come out of the game is. Uh, during a, a, an extreme blowout situation. But what are you guys seeing from Western Illinois? Why, why did they, what's the difference between the five and all and one and four? I mean, can it be as simple as when you play? I mean, I just looked at the St. Thomas Western Illinois game, Rosner, 40 minutes, Quinlan Bennett, 38, Trent Massner, 40, KJ Lee, the only player off the bench for the, uh, it, it, I mean, can it be as simple as guys starting to run out of gas? I, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, 
I've gone back and forth. I say, you know what? I don't care whether they fly or whether they bus. They travel in really comfortable situations. These are kids at the height of their of their physical, you know, conditioning. Yeah. Um, I, I, I I have a feeling if you asked each one of them, they would say, I want to play 45 minutes every night if I can. Um, I, I think this is a critical stretch because Western Illinois is coming up to North Dakota, play two teams that they've already beaten. Can they find a way to back that up? Can they find a way to go into the tournament with momentum? We've talked about Trenton Masner as a legitimate player of the year candidate. I'll tell you what, if Western Illinois goes 2-0 on this road swing, Masner's going to have a ton to do with that, and that might put him in position to be in consideration for player of the year. I don't know. Um, and and they, can, they, can, they can jump up the standings if they do that. And, I, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's so much – I don't think I wouldn't classify it as them wearing down necessarily. Um, they're certainly their best options. And with, with media timeouts and all the stoppages in the game and all that stuff, like you can play 30 minutes a game, you know, and, and, and comfortably. And then, you know, from there, it's just sort of load management to get up to 40. Um, you know, for Trent Mazner to do that as a point guard and also do the majority of the scoring is really uh, just a tremendous effort on his part and just a willingness to get himself in that type of shape. You know, I can't imagine how how hard he's worked for this opportunity. I think it's more of a matter of like, you know, he's a tremendous player, but he, just like with any player, there are some teams that are a better matchup than others for him. And you know, if you're able to throw you know, if you're South Dakota State and can throw, throw two or three players at him, then I think, you know, it definitely wears them down much faster than the average team. You know, in that 5-0 and stretch, Masner was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, 46 against UND, over 30 points, knocking down game winners, all that stuff. That's what it took to go 5-0. and It takes uh, an unbelievable effort, not an average effort, not a good effort. You know, he, he can't average... 20 points per game. I think for, for Western Illinois to go on a run, he's going to have to average probably like 25. I think that's probably the minimum. And he can do that, but if you got a couple guys to throw at him, it, you can just kind of wear him down over the course of the game. And if he drops down to 20 points from 25, that's the difference between winning and losing. That can be the difference between 5-0 and oh and 1-4. and four. It's that. Yeah. The, the, fine, the line is that fine, especially when you're Western Illinois and you have no plan B, you know. You got to yeah. keep doing what you do, and they don't have a different lineup or a different way to win a game. They win one way, and that way is extremely good, but it's better against some teams than others. And um, and it, you're right. I mean, the, the chance to validate two earlier wins this weekend, you know, the, the range of outcomes for this weekend is really almost bigger for Western Illinois than anybody, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah I think so, too. Well, and I just looked back because I was curious. Uh, Alec Rosner and, and Trent Master have played 40 minutes the last four games. So four of those five games, and I don't, I, you know, I was just throwing the question out there. I don't know that it's because they're tired or out of gas. I do think it's just a lack of depth and a lack of options. So if it's not going, you just kind of keep going with what you what got you there, right. so to speak, and you just kind of hope that that figures itself out. And Alec Rosner, nobody can argue with his scoring numbers, but he isn't a player that creates much on his own. 
And so even the the number two option, which is a good option in Western Illinois, it's still relying a lot on Trent Master to to help that happen. Yeah, there's one creator, one creator. And I will tell you this, you know, when I've been able to watch Western Illinois, the end of their games, I've never thought, you know what, Masner looks really tired. That kid is as well conditioned as anybody. He wants the ball in his hands. I love the fact that he's playing this league, and 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 he is in the conversation for for one of the upper uh, upper echelon kids that that's played in this league. With with when you look at some of the single game performances he's he's had and how he's put his team on his back at times. Um, let let's I I'm just saying I I love the fact that Trenton Masner has played in this league. He's been a pleasure to watch. Yeah, yeah. Now you cannot deny. The in fact, I think he's over a thousand points just in two seasons, which is pretty incredible. Um, you can't deny what he's brought to the league and, and the play that he's had. And they are a team. If he can, he can put a team on his back. And so, and I like some of the the pieces. Josiah West, really nice athlete, makes some really good plays defensively. Yeah. Luke Stavanic, I I I love him in the post. He can do some some good things. Um, but he is limited athletically a little bit. But they, they, I mean, I looked at a couple of those games and the guy, even the sixth, seventh and eighth guy coming in, they're getting like three minutes, seven minutes. And so they're just, they're going with their five for the most part and trying their best to, to make that work. And well, it comes, it comes down to this, Todd, you know what? They are a team clearly that on any given night can take it to somebody in the league. Can they do it over yeah. the course of three or four nights? I don't know that it's likely, but they are good enough to beat anybody on any given night. Well, and they might have a little bit. I mean, we talked about South Dakota earlier, and and Zach, you had said just not enough creators on Western Illinois. There might be a little bit of that on South Dakota. When you're relying just on the shots to fall without being able to create, you know, looks that there's potential similarities. I think you're right. South Dakota is a really interesting team. They, they're they a very good screening team. So they don't – I mean, that's their version of creation. So sure. they, they, they screen really well, which you could argue every team should be a good screening team. There's really no reason to not. I mean, it's, it's that obvious when you watch them play how good they're at it, and then it's just like, you know, nobody else should have an excuse. Um, but you're right. I mean, you're right. I mean, South Dakota has to go to like cruise peril hunt, like in the post or something like that down the stretch where, yeah. you know, Western Illinois can just give the ball to Trent Mausner and set multiple ball screens for him and then just kind of play off of that. So, I mean, I think South Dakota is definitely easier to guard in that realm, but at least South Dakota has, you know, you know, AJ Plitzaway, Mason Archambault, well, cruise peril hunt. They have a couple of options where Western Illinois, it's, they got a fastball. It's Nolan Ryan's fastball, but there's no change up and there's no curveball. Right, right. Yeah, it uh, it'll be interesting as we get into the. I mean, the the realm of possibilities between six to eight. Denver is two games out of six, but they only have the one game because they play uh Omaha, the the their travel partner. But uh, six through eight could finish any different way, and he really even five through seven. We, we, it is still not sorted out who's going to be playing that first day in Sioux Falls. It could be the, a range of about five teams, six teams. You know, and it's funny, and I think a lot of this is sort of um, 
predicated on, okay, can we stay on the other side of the bracket from Oral Roberts or something like that? Yeah. But like if South Dakota state goes out and gets Oral Roberts by 10 or something like that, all of a sudden that, that doesn't really matter that much. Right. And honestly, like see the, I, I think it's going to happen pretty quickly that seating is not going to matter. And it's more of a matter of matchups. Like we've talked about this whole year. There's really no yeah. momentum. There's really no nothing else. It's all just about who the draw is. And honestly, going into that last night, you know, I don't think we're going to see any business decisions, but I can't wait. I mean, the scenarios are fun to run through now, but the situations will be more clear on Saturday night. And so, you know, you got, you know, UND out there with a the chance to play, you know, whomever, you know, NDSU or say Western Illinois, you know, who would they rather play? Honestly, Western Illinois is a much better matchup for UND than, than NDSU, for example. And then, you know, vice versa for NDSU. So, um, I, well, I just can't, I mean, it's, it's going to be about as fun as a tournament as we've ever had really. Well, and it's so funny because, you know, we've spent plenty of time saying maybe not the nicest things about South Dakota, but if they fell to the eight or nine seed, and the the Vegas odds for winning the South the Summit League tournament were good enough. I'd throw some money on South Dakota, finding a way to all of a sudden start hitting their shots and find a weird run through that tournament. Like it's that's what some of it makes it intriguing, especially if Oral Roberts gets knocked off. And I mean, South Dakota has the kids that know what it looks like to go on a run like that, right? That's half the battle. You have to understand what it's like and know what it takes before you can do it. Otherwise you don't even know what direction you should be going in. And South Dakota does have that. So I think we've learned our lesson that no team should be buried, right? We, everybody understands that. No, you should not be burying any of these teams. There's teams that play well and teams that don't play well from time to time, but they all have a good reason why they can win every single one of these teams. Well, they do. And and, and you can't be, I, I, because I'm sitting here trying to process things as we're talking through things at the end where I go, North Dakota has settled on a rotation. They've kind of improved. Other teams have been who they are for the majority of the season, USD being one of them. Uh, other teams, we've talked about the matchups. Only one team has played ORU tough twice. Omaha, they're at the bottom of the league. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And you just sit there and you go, you try to say, I think we have it figured out. We don't. We have no idea how it's going to play out. I, I can't wait. I mean, I think the St. Thomas, Western Illinois, tripped up to North, up to North Dakota is going to be intriguing. I love the fact that ORU is going to end the season playing in Frost Arena. I love the fact that USD has a shot at them on Thursday with a ton of experienced perimeter players that if they get hot and shoot 45% from behind the arc, they, they, may, they may put a ton of pressure on ORU. So many teams with a lot to prove. I, I have no idea how it's going to turn out. I love the fact that I can't wait to watch it play out this weekend. Well, and Oral Roberts has looked more vulnerable. Again, it's hard to say that about a 16-0 and team, but they've looked more vulnerable um, at this point in the season, whereas South Dakota State had some more vulnerability last year at the beginning of conference play. And then, of course, that ender against Oral Roberts was fantastic. But Oral Roberts looked completely unbeatable, and now it's looking a little more – I mean, teams are keeping them within single digits, and, and well, it's looking a little more – Yeah, I mean, you know, like, so the last four games have been single-digit games. And right. quite honestly, like UND – I don't know if people went and watched that UND game or if they were kind of following along. It was just incredible what UND did in that second half, came all the way back down 
deep into the 20 points, came all the way back. And then they, they even had, usually when something like that happens, they'll get it down to like five or seven and then kind of run out of gas and it'll end up being like 10 points. But UND, like they had two amazing shots. Matt Norman yeah. had a wide open look yeah. to tie the game. Then they got the offensive rebound and Brady Danielson gave an up fake. And then he had a great look to send it to overtime. And that's, that's even UND, you know, so the last four games, single digits, you know, I'm sure coach Mills is looking for something, some little bit of a bill, build more material to say, ah, people are doubting us or whatnot. And, you know, certainly I'm, I'm sure they're not paying attention to what we're saying, but you know, that would be something to point to as a, 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 a negative trend, I suppose. Um, I, but that's also like they, they really only had one way to go when they were blowing the doors off teams by 30 and 40 and 50 points earlier this year. Like, obviously, there's only one, there's only one way to go. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, because yeah. I mean, they obviously that's not sustainable. But, um, you know, I don't know, nitpicking here. And that's what you do against great teams. Take it as a compliment, I suppose. But, but I think rightfully so. I mean, if you're Paul Mills, you are maximizing what's happened in the last four games. You're saying, guys, listen, if you thought you were good, if you thought we were going to sleepwalk through this thing, I hope you're awake right now because UND had a chance to beat us at the end. NDSU had a chance to beat us at the end on our home floor. And I, I think it's a great opportunity for Coach Mills and his staff to say, if you think you're good, you know, uh, after what just happened, yes. you may go on the road and lose two by 20 each if we're not ready to play. I think it's a great opportunity for him to, to send a message to his team there's probably a ton of film to look at and say, why were we a half a step late on this closeout and on this closeout? And why did we handle this poorly? And I, I think it's a great opportunity. And I think it's what coaches treasure at this time of year, whether you're trying to slingshot yourself into momentum or whether you're trying to maintain your position as a front runner. I think this is where, where coaching really does factor into it. How do you handle these situations? How do you motivate your guys? And how do you prepare your teams for the opportunities that are in front of them? I, I think it's the absolute best time of the season. And the other thing is, you know, UND and NDSU, they're not exactly the worst matchups for Oral Roberts. No. I mean, clearly, obviously, South Dakota State's a much worse matchup. I think some of these other teams may even be a worse matchup. Um, so you're right. Uh, it, definitely, it definitely needs a little polishing. And again, totally nitpicking here. Um, but you're starting to see, you know, I don't want to say it's a lack of focus or whatever it is, but they, they clearly, and this is a very common trap, uh, trap that a good team falls into is they just don't dagger teams like they were earlier in the year. And it's almost kind of like they're playing with their food a little bit. And, you know, it, 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 it could be a little nuance throughout the course of the year. And they, they snap out of it and really have an opportunity to uh, like, honestly, I think it's a little, I think it's a good thing that they're on the road this weekend. I mean, this is going to be, there's, you know, I don't know if UND got their full attention. There's no question. These games are going to get their full attention. So we'll see what they're made of. Well, one other oral Roberts thing, and it's hard to, to nitpick a team that's lost four games all season. So, you know, I, I preface that by saying that, um, but Utah State, uh, who else did it? St. Mary's. St. Mary's, yeah. That that more recent one against uh, and then against uh, New Mexico. New you Mexico get one of Houston. those. Yeah. 
I, you know, Houston, I, you know, Houston's Houston. It's all that, all the, you know, that's, that's a little different, yeah. but those three get one of those and they're probably a legitimate, um, at large possibility. Yeah. And yeah. So, I want to, the one thing I plan on doing Todd is going back. I want to look at the tournament last year and seeing where those last, those last at large teams were in the net ranking. Compared yeah. to where Or Roberts is right now. Yeah, they're 44 right now. The problem, of course, is once you get into conference play, they're they're even going undefeated. Their their net tends to drop. Right. Um, you know, not a ton, but it has dropped some since conference play started, and uh, because other teams have chances at quad one wins along the way. But you know, and that, that's not what Paul Mills wants to rely on. He doesn't want to sit there and hope at that point, but it sure feel a lot better if they, they had that a little more secured and, and those games do matter. And we've talked about coach Mills and the way they scheduled, it sure worked to get them at least in the possibility with three games. And the reason I bring up those three, Utah state, uh, Nevada, or uh, New Mexico and St. Mary's and maybe not St. Mary's St. Mary's has really gotten good, but those are three games that if they played those teams again, there's a chance they could beat them. So they were they weren't games where you go they just had no shot no matter what. Uh, just a, again back to the scheduling, great scheduling on their part. I just looking at this. St. Mary's is the number seventh rated net team in the nation. Yeah, seven. Gonzaga. Yeah, if they would have beat them, they they're not like at large team. Unbelievable. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, and they lost by eight. It wasn't like they got blown out there. Yeah. Well, and I think you really look at it. I mean, I, you know, coaches are idiots. You look for opportunities to motivate, to challenge. I don't know if there could be a better road trip. And I'm sorry if I already referenced this earlier. If you're Paul Mills, you are taking advantage of the fact, you know what? If we play the way we did the last four games, we're going on the road and we may beat by 15 the first night and by 30 the next night. And you convince your guys of that unless they have a, a really good week of practice. It's 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 interesting interesting how things play out, but the, the opportunity to motivate and challenge your guys at the right time. Um, listen, there's not a single player on ORU's team that doesn't realize we're going to Frost Arena, we're going up to USD. We haven't had great success over the course of our history as as a program. We've got a, we've got a ton of work to do, so I think it's a great opportunity for Coach Mills to handle this the best way he possibly can. And I think the, the people that are going to benefit from it are the fans in Vermilion and in Brookings and the people who get a chance to watch those games. I, I agree, and I'll keep going back to why I think this is such a great situation for Oral Roberts. I mean, to be able to simulate, this is as close to simulation for the Summit League tournament as they're going to get. And they're getting it right before the Summit League tournament. They, I mean, that's a great point. Look, it, it's, it's not going to be an Oral Roberts crowd at that summer league tournament. We know that. Nice, and so they nice. might as well get used to it. And it doesn't really matter. But I mean it you just By want the way, to get Zach, I gotta interrupt. The band that ORU hires is always one of the best bands in Sioux Falls. I will just tell you that. Anyway, go back to your point. Yeah. Sorry about that. Well yeah, I mean, you know, the whole point of practice is trying to simulate game situations to get more comfortable, right? Get some live reps and you can't simulate what it's like to play at Frost. You cannot simulate what it's like to play in the summer league tournament outside of playing at Frost. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect for them if they can pull this off. If, if they go and lose by 10, you know, 
all bets Door. are off. Doors and, are and open. All this, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, the doors are open, and you never know who's going to run through. Can I want to? We're, we're starting to get towards the end, but I want to bring up kind of an odd point that just something I was thinking about, and it had nothing to do with Oral Roberts or or any of that. Uh, but a surprising, one of the most surprising, really well attended road trips has become St. Thomas, Western Illinois. Yeah, there's wow. been three games this year where Macomb has been packed. And that St. Thomas Oral Roberts game, I wish it would have been on some sort of ESPN thing for a, an audience outside of the Summit League to see. It was one of the craziest crowds I've seen. You know, it's a small arena, but still. And so just a shout out to the fan bases at St. Thomas that's growing with this new Division One product, and especially over in Macomb. What what a great atmosphere they've had this second half of this year, especially when they were going on that little run and when South Dakota State and Oral Roberts came in. I'm in complete agreement with you. I, I mean, you know, credit Saint- credit to Macomb, credit to St. Paul. For God's sakes, how how many more op- how many more options are there in the Twin Cities for people to spend their discretionary income than going to a St. Thomas basketball game? And St. Thomas fills it up. And to Macomb. I, I agree with you. I've watched some of these games. I'm going, this is a fantastic atmosphere. So, Todd, that's a great call out on your part. Credit to St. Thomas, credit to Western Illinois and their fan bases. Yeah, you know, I think St. Thomas, they've always had a good attendance. Like, I, it, it's, a, it's always been a fun place to play, right? There's a lot of cake eaters that go to games there, right? I, I'll say it. I don't care. I, you know, that, I won't let that go. But they, they, but they, it's always been well supported, and they've always been passionate, and it, and it's it's fun because it's a smaller gym. I think that's always been good. What's really been impressive to me is the Western Illinois gym. You know, it was like ever since that Trenton Masner game against UND, um, and they went on that little five-all run. They just they've done a great job in getting people out to that game and out to those games, and it, the university has done a great job of supporting that program and that's not that hasn't always historically been the case and that's not always the case with other good programs in the conference um it's interesting it's really interesting to see i feels like attendance like i even feel like the kansas city games have been well attended this year you know um it almost kind of seems like the south dakota games are, are some of the poorest attended but um you know denver they, they've been uh they've had some exciting games too so I mean, really, just a credit to a lot of the fans that are, that have gotten out there and made these environments so fun. I mean, really supporting yeah. their teams. You know, you you really like seeing that. You know, regardless of the ups and downs. I mean, the the fans are part of what makes this so fun. And um, it, you know, even the UND fans. And how about the NDSU fans this year, Greg? I mean, I feel yeah. like they've really yeah. stepped it up. They really have. And and I and Todd, I I just want to clarify this. And and, and I love Zach, but. I also love the fact that there's a St. John's, Notre Dame, and you, Mary grad, calling St. Thomas people cake eaters. I think that is, <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Sometimes it takes one to know one, and I know one, and there's plenty of them on that campus. Yeah. Just, just because St. John's was out in the middle of the woods did not mean there weren't plenty of cake eaters there. Let's just uh, – Says boys, the Bethlehem I, I, I could just go on and on. I, I can go on and on, and boy, we got we got a St. Thomas UND game coming up. This I, I'll let's see. I'll, I just got to see how the game's going first. I promise I'll try to keep it in track. That's what I tell Brian. Anyway, we'll see though. You never know. At what least we at least wear a Mighty Ducks jersey while you're there, Zach. I, I may I may find my old uh, St. John's hoodie and wear it. Again. <laughs> I might do that. 
Well, that that was exactly how we had t- planned on this uh, week's episode ending. Um, so I suppose <laughs> with that, we'll uh, we'll wrap up for this week. And I I was thinking as we were recording, this is not the last episode before the summer league tournament. We have no nope. more. And so we will, uh, I just am excited for the Summer League Tournament, so I thought it was happening sooner than it was. But we'll have one more next week, to t- and that'll be all tournament, and then start talking first, second team, all that stuff as well. So it'll be a pretty packed episode next week as we head into tournament week. Uh, so until next week, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, guys.